Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. Tomorrow night, the Midwest Culture and Arts Complex welcomes boy band sensation round here with opening acts from somewhere and there's a place. The show, which sold out in mere hours, is guaranteed to be the talk of the town. As a fan myself, I can't wait for them to blow the roof off the Mac. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? And today we are back with part two of Mr. Mercedes, and we have Josh leading our discussion. Yes. Oh, man. This book is so much fun. I'm so excited you guys are reading this for the first time. It's making me exceptionally happy every time I hit moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to lose their minds. All I've Um, sent you guys so far is like throw up emojis. (laughs) (laughs) Every time something just unbelievably upsetting happens. There's so much disgusting (laughs) stuff in this book and I love it. That's disgusting stuff to my jam, though. Before we start, I I wanted to ask CM because it was the first thing I thought. What happens with the poison? Better or worse than what you expected? (laughs) Better? (laughs) I'd rather her than the dog. Is that does that make me a bad person? Wow. I mean, Uh, well, doesn't make you a good person. (laughs) I'm. I'm. I was grateful and happy that. Brady did not poison the dog. He didn't get the chance. And what happened instead, Stephen King wrote it so well, and we'll get to it, that Mm -hmm. I did have moments where I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And then I just reminded myself of other things. I'm like, now we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, reminded yourself of the dynamics between these two. Oh, And none of it's good. Did did you feel differently? No. Uh, (laughs) It was just a different flavor of terrible. I don't think one was better than the other. (laughs) It was a different door. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the beginning of this, the first chapter we're covering, Poison Bait, is about this this poison. Brady's plan to get the gopher go and feed it to Odell with hamburger. And it uh, it doesn't quite go as planned. Of course not. It's a (laughs) fucking dumb plan. It's not actually it's not I mean, it's not a terrible plan. He knows that when they take Odell for a walk, he's alone for a little bit of time. But just when he's narrating how the poison will affect the dog, it's just brutal. It's so heartbreaking. The way he describes it, he's just jerking himself off. No, his mom does that here in a second oh, when he gets ahead of it. Okay, I'm going to have to <laughs> not open that door for you ever. Uh, <laughs> never open the jerk off yeah. door. <laughs> That's why you lock it or knock first. This <laughs> is going to be a, a boner talk episode. <laughs> this has been like. boner talks. Um, Where's the sting? Yeah, the the way that they describe the poison, uh, the way strychnine affects things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I was like, is that really what happens with strychnine poisoning? And I didn't want to look it up because it sounded so terrible. I'm like, I don't need to know if. It causes you to spasm so hard it will snap your spine. I watch a lot of forensic files, and people are fools, and they are always poisoning their spouses with different things. And it's usually like the same three things. Poisoning fucks you up real weird, bad ways, depending on if it's like slow, like small doses over time, or if you really just get in there and inject it all at once. Yeesh. Yeah. It's it's not good. It yeah. cannot be pleasant. It Phantom Thread made it look so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so Brady wakes up in the morning after he's concocted this plan with uh, the clarity to know that he needs to know what this withheld evidence, because the fact that Hodges said that withheld evidence says you're not the killer has been constantly bothering him. And so he needs to find out what that evidence is. So he can dispute it, because if Hodges believes it, then the real cops do, too. And that means he is a step further from being able to take all this credit because he's so wonderful and such a genius. His his boss calls him to 
do a service call in Sugar Heights. And that's when we find out that Brady not only stole Olivia Trelawney's car, but has been to her house before on a service call. Not surprising considering how they hinted to that, but really cool seeing all of that come together. And I I kind of lost track listening to it of how many jobs this guy has. I I kept thinking of him as just the ice cream man. Yeah, (laughs) this job as the IT guy. I, I loved it because it's one of those moments in a detective story where you're like, you're putting the clues together and you're like, okay, I this is how how Bill's going to find out. Like, this is going to be how he links Brady to the killing mm-hmm. in the end. We don't know that for sure, but... And I've been wrong about <laughs> a lot of stuff in this book so far. Well, uh, on this service call, he decides to email back Hodges, uh, taunting him about the hairnet and the bleach and all that. And he, he dares him to respond with the withheld evidence. And now we're going to get to something that I teased in the last episode about Under Debbie's Blue Umbrella. So, CM, you have the website pulled up. Uh, I want you to go over to where in the bottom right corner it says, enter password. This is very fascinating for an audio platform. (laughs) I'm entering password. Now, enter password Kermit Frog 19. Oh, punctuation? Nope. I'm scared. Is this one of those, like, E-bombs world style, you enter the password and a scary face pops up? (laughs) We'll just watch CM and find out. Oh, oh, Merkkill wants to chat with you. Absolutely. It's their chat. It, well, I mean, his message. It's not the whole chat. How did I know about the hairnet and bleach, Detective Hodges? That stuff was withheld evidence because it was never in the paper on TV. You say, oh, I'm going to read it the way the guy does. Do it. You say you are not stupid, but it sure looks that way to me. I think all that TV you watch has rotted your brain. What withheld evidence? I dare you to answer this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so is there a whole like ARG that was released along this book? No, uh, this is just uh, people found out that the website was real. And because you if you go to register, it tells you that they're not accepting new registers. Mm. Uh, but if you enter password because of the way this website is supposed to work, it doesn't uh, keep anything. We're going to jump to this real quick. So in Enter Password, this time, I don't want you to put Kermit Frog 19. I want you to put Law 19, which uh, earlier we referenced that we, we found out that in the letters, Brady mm-hmm. also set up an account for Olivia Trelawney. Fallen Frankie wants to chat with you. Do you want to chat with Fallen Frankie? Yes. Dear Olivia, saw your obituary in the paper today. Mrs. Trelawney, I am so, so, so sorry. Ha, yeah, not so much. It was fun while it lasted. Yikes. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Wow. (laughs) The the name? Because he references that he uses Frankie's name when he was fucking with Olivia. And for a minute, I didn't connect because he was like, oh, it was so it, it just felt appropriate to use Frankie's name. It felt like. I thought he was talking about his uh, butch co-worker. coworker. Me too. Oh, really? Yes, I what, did too. Isn't their name Frankie? Or was yeah, yeah, yeah right? It, it wasn't until we got all this detail about the brother that I retroactively. Oh, Freddie. Oh. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I... It, it's not just one of us. It's yeah, both of us. <laughs> I thought I was like, why is he trying to frame his coworker? Which would have been interesting. But no, it is much creepier than that. Yeah. So Hodges gets a phone call finding out that uh, two of his cases are now closed because uh, the wife murderer, Davis, also confessed to being Turnpike Joe. So two out of four of Hodges' cases closed. So that's exciting. Yay. But the big deal about today (laughs) is Janie calls because her mother is having a lucid day so he goes to interview her what did you guys think about him finally coming face to face with uh, emily wharton i really liked this scene this lady is i can't help but picture just this dignified strong but frail really old woman just the way the king writes about her and she's she's a little confused at first and she mistakes bill for Janie's ex-husband the one she left and we find out that he was abusive to her. Uh, and as soon as Janie's like, no, I, I, you know, remember I divorced him. She's like, good. <laughs> he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And then she, Bill sends Janie away and he has this conversation with her and he almost gets where I want him to be because she confronts him. Well, he starts. He starts getting there. Yeah, good job, Bill. You're super remorseful. (laughs) Jesus. She confronts him. You know, my daughter, you guys Mm. gave her a hard time. She did not leave her keys in the car. She did not leave it unlocked, all of that. And he admits, like, yeah, I I think we might have given her a hard time. (laughs) He is so, yeah, you're right. It's non-committal. Not, because he's like, yeah, maybe. Like, he's so (laughs) resistant to admitting, wow, I really fucked this up. Yeah. Even though, like, it's starting to add up that, no, he was definitely, definitely wrong here. Yeah, but how ready would you be to admit to yourself that mistake? Super and, ready. Uh, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is that I, I can understand it taking him a while to really, like, uh, she mentions that she always felt like his partner was laughing at her with his eyes. Yeah. And I, he's like, oh, I feel like shit that if that's true, I feel terrible because I never noticed. And that's wrong. That was super wrong of Pete. I don't buy it. You never noticed because you and Pete fucking hated this woman. And you you draw the line at Pete laughing at her with his eyes. One of the dozens of shitty things you both did to her. Okay, anyway, moving on. (laughs) So I have more to say about Bill's painfully slow progress in realizing he was a douchebag. (laughs) He does, but the the way his, it it is slow, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the way the arc progresses, even just through this from what we've read, I think is very naturalistic and um, it does suck that he's still (laughs) being kind of shitty to this old woman, (laughs) Uh, but it makes me excited to see his, what's the word I'm looking for? His um, redemption arc Mm -hmm. uh, through character that we know. Yeah. Oh, but in the meantime, he, you know, asks her his questions, uh, turns on like cop mode which is pretty cool because he is a good detective Mm. and then he kills her (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he kind of does yeah she has she has a heart attack she she has a stroke Stroke. Mm -hmm. yeah she has a stroke not while he's there not while he's there but like like, the next day yeah like the next morning yeah she gets really upset because she's reliving her daughter's death Mm. and and she gives him a clue to she's talking about this man this disturbed individual that olivia was trying to help and she was telling her he's no good and he convinced her to stop taking her medication and all this stuff and convinced her to stop making taking her medication because he was taking the same medication and that's why he did what he did yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. like just gives you more insight into the manipulation that brady put in her head and how gullible olivia must have been just understanding more about her life was very interesting and the kind of person she was. And it honestly only made me feel mountains of empathy and sympathy for her Mm -hmm. character. It's yeah. It's like Bill eventually says and comes to realizes (laughs) maybe people are more than what you think about them on the first time you see them. Maybe Olivia was a person. Wow. What do you know? (laughs) Interesting. The best detective in the city. (laughs) Uh, what did you think about the last piece of information we're given that in the end it was the ghosts that did it? That is when, like, right away I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> he, I don't know how he did it because I'm not that tech savvy, but right. he's manipulating her computer. I- I'm sure that was super obvious to everyone. Mm-hmm. There were a few things that I kind of saw coming, like mm-hmm. the 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 ghosts, the haunting of Olivia Trelawney. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, yeah, that's... Obviously, he's a tech guy, but that'll be really interesting to see how Bill figures that out because yeah. he's not going to yeah. know shit. Well, he, he kind of doesn't. <laughs> well, no, he, absol- he absolutely <laughs> doesn't because he knows well enough to call the one friend he has yeah. that knows what he's doing. But before we get to that, it's time for our next episode of Boner Talks. Oh. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> they go back to the condo and they do it. JD oh. and Bill. Oh. Oh, can I say... Okay, this is a That's not as bad as the, what <laughs> I thought we were about. There are much worse boners. Yes. I don't I honestly can't remember if this is how it actually happened or <laughs> if this is what my twisted brain did because I listened to these chapters we're talking about today mm-hmm. twice cuz I just listened to it like just hardcore. It was so great. And so then I went back again. It's 
difficult to listen to the other boner talk we're going to get to. <laughs> and in my memory, uh, King was doing this really awful thing to me where he was going back and forth between them. He's like juxtaposing oh, this beautiful, you know, sexually powerful, positive no. moment between. Did that happen that way? I, I it alternated. It was alternating between Janie and Bill. J- uh, Janie and Bill hooking up and I feel like Brady coming home with the and finding his mom cooking right that she had yeah mommy's medicine and (laughs) yeah don't make that the title (laughs) (laughs) but I so first I want to say that I I was initially scared because of what we've gotten from Bill with the writing Mm -hmm. I knew they were going to hook up as soon as we were talking about Janie's ex-husband not being kind Mm-hmm. And she made a comment about Bill being kind. I'm like, oh, she's going to jump on that. Yeah. And I wanted her to do it. Like, I wanted her to do it for herself. Not She did. I she know. specifically said, this is for me. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm saying I was scared the way yeah. the writing has been oh, that see. it wasn't going to be that way. And I was like, I don't do you. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't make it like this. And then she's basically like, you are a fuck toy for me right now. Don't move. I just need to get what I need to get. We can talk later about you enjoying this as well. It's, and I loved it. It's so a great. really good scene. Because I, I love it. Just imagining it from Bill's perspective. Because he is not... It's weird reading a sex scene where the man has no agency. It's yeah. He is completely <laughs> like, huh, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's really fun. It's, re- it's great. It was a beautiful role reversal mm-hmm. bec- because he didn't have the agency and she had all the power. Awesome. And also because we're getting it more from his yeah. POV than hers. And the whole time he's like, oh my God, I'm old and I'm fat. Oh, she's probably disgusted by my belly. <laughs> and my body's She's like, not shut perfect. the fuck up. Take your yeah. pants off. He starts, he's, she's trying to fuck him. And he's like, I, I know, I need to lose weight. She's like, don't talk. Shut up. You, you are not a person right now. You are a, a tool for me to use. And and I'm like, welcome to being a woman, like just <laughs> criticizing everything about yourself and hoping no one else notices. So you're saying <laughs> that Mr. Mercedes is the most uh, feminist work in King's oeuvre. <laughs> that that's what you're saying. I'm <laughs> the look on I'm, your face is so upset. <laughs> Oh, I honestly was worried you were about to burst into tears for a second. <laughs> Your face is so red. I'm, I'm so unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay. Anyways, I was as I was trying to say while well, we're getting this empowering, female-centric, well-written way to go, King scene. Brady comes home with a horrible headache and. I've been treating my headaches. Well, I don't want to say wrong because I don't want to treat them <laughs> the way he does it. Like careful of wording there. But this this is when I messaged you guys with, I, I think there were a lot of swears and a lot of vomiting. Yeah, I was just like, no, 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 no. Because I didn't know how far you were, Ben. And so I didn't yeah. want to say. And I'm just like, oh, no, this is the worst. <laughs> this scene is when I knew I loved Janie. After, just after the sex scene where she like he finally is like, so why? And she's like, because uh, I'm young enough to do what I want and old enough to not give a shit what people think about it. And I was like, fuck yeah, Janie. And I like how she's she's kind of bossing him around. She's like, you need to lose weight. I can say that now because we fucked and I still want to yeah. be around you. <laughs> lose 20 pounds and we'll risk you on top. <laughs> yeah. Fucking gold. But the way she said it wasn't shitty. Yeah. Like, you can hey. just read how her fun delivery that they have really great. I I feel like there it's a classic, like noir trope of she is the like, not femme fatale. She's the like female partner. That's Mm -hmm. sassy, but is equal. And she kind of talks about that. Like if this were a detective novel, I would be the femme fatale. I'd be, you know, trying to get you to do this. And nah, I just, I just kind of like you. Yeah. And she asks him to profile Mr. Mercedes or the Mercedes killer for her. <laughs> you did it, Mr. Mercedes killer. <laughs> and and he does a pretty good job with as little as he knows. Yeah. And gets the idea for how to 
make Brady even more angry and <laughs> sends a message saying that uh, Turnpike Joe's been caught and that he's going to confess to everything. So sorry, fuck boy. This is nothing <laughs> to do with you. I thought this was brilliant, but I want your guys' opinion on his approach because before that, Bill had had this really strong intuition that he needed to be patient and reel Brady in slowly. And I feel like every decision he made from this point on was really not that. It was trying to shake him up and get him to explode almost. He was shaking a sealed bottle of soda. It's, yeah, it's a quick ramp up leading to very mm -hmm. tragic end. But I, I feel like it's it's because all of the events up in this book, he's coming back to life almost. He's He's so excited mm -hmm. by all of this. That he pushes it too far. Uh, I do agree. Yeah. The, the I love that. So for the next little while, there's a few messages back and forth that we don't really need to get into because it's kind of the same taunting stuff. Mm -hmm. It's but very satisfying. It's though. very satisfying. Every yeah. time it cuts to Brady reading the message and he just like blanks out. He's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck you, kid. Like it says that if he was a cartoon, his head would have exploded. He's just so fucking angry and cannot believe it. It's glorious watching him just freak out. Later on, we get to hang out with Jerome again. Jerome leaves Hodges some messages saying he's figured out how Brady stole the car. Jerome comes over and he tells him about the devices that can uh, remotely, uh, what is it, stealing the peak is what it's mm -hmm. called, uh, where you just have to be in the right place at the right time and you can steal somebody's code from when they hit the button to lock and unlock their car. Which is apparently a real thing. Upsetting to know. That's why I don't leave anything anybody could want in my car. True. But this leads to a brand new line of investigation. Because the odds are, this is the Mercedes was not the first time he used this. Mm -hmm. So now, Brady has... <laughs> all of the things he's done with this, uh, with Thing 2, mm -hmm. are going to now be researched in all the break-ins to cars. I did think that the uncle... Bill thing was kind of cute when he calls it yeah. precinct and he gets the lady in records to do a search for him kind of off the record. And she makes a, he says something, Janie hears this from his end of the conversation mm -hmm. and he's promises her, I'm not turning into an uncle. And she's like, what's up with that? And he's like, Oh, these, you know, retired guys like me, they want back in and they kind of like use the system and get a little carried away. And they'll just be like, I'll end up stalking they, people. And they <laughs> do exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But he just, Bill's a good, uh, he justifies a lot of his own actions and thoughts pretty well. <laughs> also, but these, the other uncles are like, they just saw a suspicious guy and they stop him. At least, yeah, at least Hodges has Real a fucking cop shit. <laughs> he, he mentions this other cop that was like, yeah, this copy stopped a guy for being suspicious and he called him in and it turns out he had a warrant for killing someone as though that justifies unlawfully right, stopping yeah. someone. <laughs> Bill's okay. Bill's <laughs> Brady, meanwhile, in his blind fury, took a, a quick fix call, got done, because he has some errands to run. He went to a gardening store because he's sick of waiting for this gopher poison. He went and bought some and got some items to camouflage it because he decides he's going to kill the dog, kill Hodges, and then he is going to go out in a blaze of glory. And at that moment, the radio comes on saying that the boy band Round Here is going to be performing <laughs> at the Midwest Culture and Arts Complex. <laughs> Sorry, Ben's face. Not, not real. <laughs> not, not, a, not a fan of the fictional band Round Here? I hate the name. It's such a bad name. From the mind that came up with Gentlemen Please, <laughs> you can't come up with a better fake boy band. I, I thought, I, I could have the timeline of this wrong, but I thought Round Here was a play on One Direction. Was the, <laughs> I thought that was the... If that's the case, I can, get, a, I can get behind it. No, I can I, get behind I it. it. <laughs> uh, and the capacity for the Mac is about three or four thousand. Let's be clear: three or four thousand little girls. Yes. <laughs> Oof. Hodges comes home for a nap. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's because it start. It's a really fun, uh, not a fun. It's a really subtle way to start the a problem. Where we find out Hodges keeps leaving his phone in the glove compartment. And so he's not getting calls right away. 
This is when we find out that Janie's mom had a stroke. By the time he gets to the hospital, she's mm-hmm. already gone. And he does a great job. He comforts her. He helps her make arrangements and finds out that uh, her Aunt Charlotte, Uncle Henry, and her cousin Holly are going to be coming in. This blew my mind. The <laughs> way this this is, how casually dropped this is. Holly is a side note yep. mm-hmm. in this first, because it mentions her, her aunt and uncle and her cousin Holly. And I'm like, huh. And then it casually mentions that her, what is it? Her uncle is named, last name is Gibney. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And then she's not mentioned for another, like, 40 pages. Right. She is introduced in such a way that I'm like, how is it even possible for her to become as big of a part of this series as she obviously is? The vehicle through which she becomes instrumental is tragic Uh, and uh, ironic. (laughs) Yeah. Pun intended. (laughs) Uh, uh, so, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and jump to asking, what did you guys think of your first interaction with Holly, the way she was revealed in chronological order? It's so weird having read about who she becomes mm-hmm. in The Outsider to read about her this way. I obviously am going to have a totally biased opinion of her. And I, I'm just curious, like, I kind of wish I could split myself off the way Jake does, you know, just drop me off a thing into, you know, in the darkness and I'll die and come back to the keystone world and then i'll have two memories because i want Perfect. sorry that was so yep. that was a, such that a was long a, walk yeah that was a long road to hoe for <laughs> <laughs> oh boy and i i wish i could read this just learning about her because i think i would have been really pleasantly surprised with her growth in a very short amount of time her coming into her own when we see what holly's good at later mm-hmm. because at first she's just sort of this pitiful terrified creature that's not even a person almost yeah they call her holly the mumbler i liked holly in the outsider Mm -hmm. obviously she's a really cool character this made me love holly yeah because it is you know obviously you know reading it out of chronological order is you're, you're gonna have different opinions than you uh obviously had josh but knowing the immensity of the gap between holly when we first meet her and holly at the end of the outsider just makes her infinitely more fascinating Mm -hmm. it it makes me so excited to read the rest of this series because what could possibly happen to get her that far it's it's Actually, I might recommend read The Outsider first because <laughs> it adds such an interesting layer to this book. I th- Now you guys can tell why I lost my mind when yeah. Holly showed up in The Outsider. I was just so excited to see her again. I still stand by what Ben and I kind of agreed on that it, it was too much in The Outsider. Just so much was assumed, but now mm-hmm. I will enjoy The Outsider even more. Yes, I, this will make me want to. Once we finish this series, read The Outsider. I will want to read mm-hmm. The Outsider yeah. again. They go to dinner. They have uh, a good night. Then we flash over to Brady, who uh, the day prior had mixed his poison with some hamburger meat and hidden it in his mini fridge. Okay, I want to know at what point you guys figured, like, knew what was going to happen. No, I was surprised because the headache relief handy from his mom threw me off so badly that I could not not think ahead to even, like, (laughs) process or investigate. The story... Usually I read stories and I'm I'm kind of trying to understand what's going to happen. That's just part of what I like to do mm. with stories. This story happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. It's <laughs> very, I, very unpleasant. I assume you, you anticipated. Well, I knew the outcome. I was wrong about the process. If Interesting. That makes sense. The second he brought it home was like, I'm going to hide it in my mini fridge because mom never looks in there. I was like, his mom's dying of poison. Mm -hmm. I knew that. I thought he was going to poison her. Oh. I thought something something was going to happen where either she was going to find out something about him, although she already knows a whole lot. I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. (laughs) Something or just he would 
something in his broken brain was going to go off and he would decide she needs to like he's already decided he has to die. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like someone like that could make the jump that my mom is pathetic and I take care of her and her life without me is nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone do her a favor. Exactly. Yes. So I thought he was going to kill her. I could see why you would think that until we get her backstory and realize she's a monster. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brady walks in, sees the half eaten poison meat, sees the living room is covered in bloody vomit. Her, uh, his mom's nose is clogged with blood, stomach bulging like she's seven months pregnant and convulsing, but still aware. She mm-hmm. looks him in the eye and starts asking him to call 911. And what does any good, dutiful son do? Goes downstairs and waits. This fucked me up. This fucked me up bad. Don't listen to it. Oh, God. It is brutal. I had a cool thought about this earlier that I wanted to share when we talked about the scene, listening to it versus reading it. And I just can't even pull it out of me now. Listening to this, the guy does such a great job narrating and and doing the characters. It made me, again, temporarily, I kind of went in and out of it. It's so well written, this scene, Mm -hmm. that I felt bad for her. I was like, oh my God, call the ambulance. There, Yeah, there is... The backstory of the Hartsfields mm. is masterfully written that it balances on this knife's edge of like being able to recognize this tragic series of events that led to this moment. But also, there's no excuse. Like, these are inexcusable people. What they have done is unforgivable they're all monsters yes ben do you want to just tell us what this backstory is? yes brady i'll I'll start with this scene because he's he stands and watches his mom and at first he's like don't worry i'm gonna call the ambulance someone can fix this and he walks downstairs and his his voice controls don't work because he's screaming which is an Mm -hmm. eerious an eerie idea and he goes downstairs and sits at his station and just starts Wikipedia-ing things. And that fucked me up. Yeah. Plays like, a hand of solitaire. He, yeah, it starts playing solitaire. Yeah. The way it is just offhanded, it, it is so obvious that the second he leaves the room, the book does. It's mm-hmm. a crazy bit of writing. I, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But then it goes into the flashback of Deborah Hartsfield who was a cheerleader married to someone that worked for the the power company who had ambitions and uh, dies suddenly when he grabs a live wire and Mm -hmm. falls 40 feet onto his neck. From that point on, it's just her and her two sons, Brady and Frankie. And this is all told from Brady's perspective. Which is interesting because he says that Frankie, who was three at the start of this flashback mm-hmm. when his when his father dies, he keeps talking about how Frankie was never bright. I mean, he's three, but okay. Exactly. <laughs> he says it with such absolute like, oh yeah, he was he was never smart, but he was a baby. But you know why that is, right? What? Because excluding what ends up happening to him when he does have some mm-hmm. intellectual or cognitive issues at some point, Brady's mom, I think they're putting this idea of Frankie, this idea comes about because she, from the get-go, has a disgusting relationship with Brady. She does, He's yeah. her honey boy, probably from the moment he's born. And so I think Frankie gets this label placed on him Possibly unfairly. And maybe he's just like a slower developer. You know, well, developmental milestones happen right. at three years old. Maybe he hasn't reached him yet. Doesn't mean anything yet. Just keep an eye on what, it. <laughs> what I took from it is that it is the first sign of Brady's sociopathy. Because he Frankie isn't smart because Brady's smart. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. 
Frankie isn't a person. No one is. Mm -hmm. The scariest part of this entire book, the most frightening thing in the entire... I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Frankie chokes on an apple and doesn't die. This whole section is such a fucking bummer. I'm gonna, like breeze through it i thought of you a lot during this ben i thought of myself when i thought of you because of of my brain damage (laughs) no because of your apple fondness because of our (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) the term apple fondness (laughs) just struck me yes ben graham notorious apple apple. fondler (laughs) no (laughs) that's worse No, because of the work we do in our our day jobs. We both work with individuals who have different uh, abilities Mm -hmm. than the typical population does. Yeah. And it was particularly stressful to read about the way they treat Frankie and how they kill him. It is fucking... It was difficult to read. They Um, treat him like he's not a person, and he is, and he has feelings and thoughts, and they ignore that. He he comes home from the hospital, and he has significant brain damage because he had no uh, air going to his brain for quite a while. And he can't walk right. Uh, He crawls. He can't feed himself. He has to have a pureed diet. Can't toilet himself. Um, Can't toilet himself. He's permanently uh, a three-year-old. Permanently, yes, brain damaged. And throughout just a few pages, he is abused. And like, I don't even want to talk about it because it's deeply upsetting. Part, Part of it, what makes it so fascinating is that there's this piece of it that is a story you can understand and you can see how it could happen. Not condoning it, but understanding it, which is really interesting Mm -hmm. because she's a single mom struggling, two kids, one who has significant medical needs. She did what a lot of people, I think, in her situation, especially at that day and age, did, which was accept and uh, like sign off for a lump sum of money from Mm -hmm. the company so she could not sue and get more money. And, you know, 75 grand or something, which seemed like a lot then, is not enough to live on long-term and support a family. The, the line, uh, she had not realized that some buckets only fill once. Yes. Fantastic line. Yeah. And she she starts drinking and she's trying to work and it's not working out. So a lot of pressure is put on Brady to, you know, she calls him in sick to school frequently when they can't afford a sitter and he has to take care of Frankie. And she's seeing, when she comes home, bruises on Frankie, you know, his neck and stuff. And she and Brady both scream at him and physically abuse him and it's It's, terrible and so you have this like on one hand the story of an overstressed single mother making mistakes but it just goes that extra step and turns it into you know a real king nightmare fucking horror story and i wanted to say i i wanted to bring up because this one line struck me so hard that informs brady's entire character and it is the most it's like I said, the most frightening line in the book so far. When Deborah first comes home from the hospital and Brady has been with this babysitter that he has imagined having a heart attack so he could stand and watch her. And she comes home from the hospital and the babysitter asks how he is. And his mom says, oh, he's in a coma, but he's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And Brady thinks this babysitter's a lying piece of shit because she she asks how he is, but she doesn't care. She's faking sympathy. The way he knows that she doesn't care or that she isn't worried is or because I'm not worried. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, why would someone else be? It is fucking that one line is so fucking scary there's something wrong with his brain <laughs> that is there are people in the world that think that way they're serial killers <laughs> no they're just people oh, yeah but well they're just people. i'm sorry i'm sorry they're ceos they're presidents exactly <laughs> exactly it's that is such a, a terrifying thing to think mm-hmm. about that there are people that just don't see other people as humans can I posit something? We don't have to spend a lot of time on it because I know we're kind of spending yeah, a lot of time on the scene. We sure but, are. So they, she's cooking. Like some time passes. Brady's explaining how terrible it is living with Frankie, and you know Deborah tells him, "Oh, I'm so glad it wasn't you, my honey boy." And then he gets a boner for his mom. Ugh. It's horrible. 
And one day the basement door is left open. Nobody, (laughs) nobody shuts it. Frankie's got his red truck. Deborah kicks it down the stairs and Brady's kind of watching curious, like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, you're in the way that the narrator for the book listening to it does it. Just her fake like, oh, your toy fell down the stairs. And then she gives Brady the nonverbal signal. He kicks him down the stairs after the toy. And then she's like, oh, no, Frankie fell down the stairs. But the way she approaches hiding, like covering this up, uh, Brady says he later realizes he thought she was being loving, like wiping Frankie's face Mm -hmm. because she smothers him because he doesn't die from the stairfall. She was covering it up she's making sure that you know there wouldn't be blood there wouldn't be evidence of what actually happened there wouldn't happened. be threads on the of the pillow that she holds threads over on his the face. pillow that she holds over his face is an advanced more advanced than your first kill style cover-up i think she has killed before i think she has passed on some messed up genes to brady Ooh, I, it's that's a strong theory <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's interesting that you said that's how the audiobook is read because that's not how I read it at all. No, the, the audiobook is like fake, like, oh, like she's putting on a play with her son, even though it's just the two of them and no one else needs to see, think. Yeah. The way I read it is just obvious contempt. Because mm. Brady oh, yeah, is a yeah. child and he he's smart and he's perceptive, but he picks up on that and feeds off of that Mm -hmm. and i i read it as oh look your toy fell into the basement and she turns on the light yeah go look at it this obvious hatred and then when brady kicks him down the stairs an immediate switch to genuine sounding terror oh which is that would have fucked my brain up yup that's how i read it in my (laughs) head and i was like Yet, fuck, (laughs) that's bad. The way the narration does it as a play that she's putting on for I don't know who was so disturbing too, though, because Mm -hmm. it's like this overstressed person has shut everything off and she's saying things that are not matching actions and there's a disconnect and then is turning on the fake like, oh, oh, no, you fell is just weird. Both yeah. of those things are awful. Anyway, yeah. let's move on from this it. Whole, the whole <laughs> backstory is just short story unto itself. Yeah. That you don't want to read. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so brutal. Or it's listen so to you brutal. twice. Yeah. Distressful. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, once his mother's dead, Brady puts her in her bed, turns the AC on, and just leaves her. Oh my god, I thought he was gonna, like, fondle her clothes. Oh god, guys. I was... (laughs) I was... No. I was clenching, preparing for it. Thank god there's... Necrophilia is the line he does not cross. So far... Everybody's got a line. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, it's bad enough that he talks about her... Panties. Winkus or or whatever. Winky? Isn't that like more of a wiener thing? I don't know. I don't know. It's or it's oh and no, I can't. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. The only reason I bring it up is because afterwards he goes downstairs and sends Hodges the last message he'll send him, Mm -hmm. which is "I am coming for you, and you won't see me coming." And he doesn't. And he doesn't see him coming. God, uh, nobody should see Brady coming. His mom did. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the only person who's seen it I'm, is dead. Move, Oh, move Ben's on. gone. Ben's left the podcast. <laughs> Brady finds the obituary for uh, Trelawney's mom, and this is when he starts piecing this plan together. He stalks out Hodges and sees him and Janie leaving together. He <laughs> I love so his... So fucking mad and confused. Mad that he played, like, Love Doctor on accident. <laughs> Yeah. That was, yeah, that he has to justify in his head that they're like, no, they're not sleeping together. <laughs> no, that, that can't possibly be what's happening. That's not his mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he follows them so he can uh, steal the the PKE for Hodge's car because he has plans for the visitation. So he he uses thing two to do it, and then he thinks about the time, the first time he broke into the Mercedes and found the spare key in the glove compartment, just like they said it would be. Mm. How did you feel about that, Sia? Okay, this is where I'll bring up that Bill and Brady have a lot of parallel moments mm. with how they are both able to swiftly and completely 
excuse themselves of any blame, yet still be able to place that blame squarely on the shoulders of other people who do not deserve it. After everything that happens, Bill really reassures himself, and he's right, but I'm just like, apply that to Olivia, that what happened was not his fault. Because he has that moment. He does consider it like, okay, was this my fault? No, I'm not going to let myself fall into that trap. This was not my fault. This is this guy's fault. And Brady is like, oh, my mom, this is Bill's fault. Mm. You know, like Bill did with Olivia. And I thought that was interesting. And there does come a moment where he, a little more to my satisfaction, realizes what he really did and is remorseful. But uh, up until this point, I just thought it was interesting. Brady is such this loathsome, despicable character. And this trait that he and Bill share is the trait that I hate in Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, actually. <laughs> um, also, uh, the the fact that there was, in fact, a spare key in the completely fucking irrelevant. Yeah. Because Brady had a magic car beeper. Like... <laughs> He couldn't have known, like, Trelawney should, could not have foreseen oh, no. that someone was stealing her key fob's radio signal. Like, that's, it is irrelevant. It is not her fault. No, it's not her fault, but it does create the situation that if the key hadn't been there, he would have had to hotwire it. Then they would have had the whole hotwiring thing. Then it wouldn't have come back on. There's like so many different Mm -hmm. avenues. This investigation could have gone had that key not been there Mm -hmm. and her maintaining. She only had the one key. I just thought it was an interesting thing to point out that like, yes, in fact it was there. It's interesting though, that Bill pulls in an Olivia. Like he knows that Brady can get his signal with his car beeper and he beeps it. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a fucking good point that I had not <laughs> no, thought No, I had not thought of that either. Yeah. Like, he literally, yeah, he, he knows but yet that he, this is his M.O. But he doesn't blame himself for a second for what happens, even though he blamed Olivia for basically doing the same the thing. The exact same thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, I'm I, sure he blames himself. Well, I mean. I'm saying in the, he, he takes the time to recognize that it is not his fault. Gotcha. And again, it yeah. isn't. But, but. he a courtesy you don't just extend to yourself you extend to other people who are real and people (laughs) so at this visitation we have hodges first prolonged scene with holly and i forgot how little hodges thinks of holly at the very beginning (laughs) of this which in all fairness the holly's not given us much to think about much about anybody except for janie (laughs) see this i actually liked this Because not that she he was like no oh, right but she shows this? him but also yeah that but the the fact that speaking of parallels mm-hmm. the parallels that he sees between Holly and Olivia yeah. yeah is he sees so many of the the ticks that Olivia had that made him say uh what a what a Loathsome piece of person. work this this woman is but he's kinder to Holly but he it. sees it in Holly and consciously makes the choice to be kinder mm-hmm. yeah he said it feels like a second chance yes yeah and that was where i, I kind of came back to bill's side i was like okay you are finally getting it thank you ha- yeah having a character actually show the growth is is yeah. really cool uh i think I, I, like i said i'm excited for their arc mm-hmm. together I, and i'm not i like bill mm-hmm. i just i'm pissed at him for oh, all yeah. of this and i think it's cool you know, to to have that conflict mm-hmm. for the reader, for this character yep. who you do otherwise, you're rooting for. Yeah, having a character that's just oh, it's all complicated. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's complicated. <laughs> huh? That's good. Huh. Good to read about. Cool. <laughs> Stephen King's a good author, guys. Yeah, that's weird. Weird. Uh, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Janie gives Hodges the codes for the house, so he and Jerome can scope out the computer while none of the family's there. And she also tells him that after all this is over, she's going back to California to get a fresh start. And you kind of get here that they are falling in love with each other. Yeah. And she gives him a cool detective hat. (laughs) Yeah. Forgot about the hat. She's very excited about how spot on she is without that hat. (laughs) I do. Their relationship is very cute. Yeah. They're just very cute together. And not in a cool way. They're... both kind of dorks. Yeah. The, it's a well-written hat. relationship. What? Yes. It, it feels very real. 
And the hat made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he has to look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing. Okay. Uh, one of everything in the book, I do have one complaint. This has one of, okay, I won't say one of the worst instances of a king catchphrase <laughs> because it's not aggressively stupid. Like, <laughs> run tell run and tell your mama or whatever it was. <laughs> run tell mama that. Yeah. But I'm trying to make yeah a oh, thing. No, I liked that. Maybe well, it's because, because I'm you're listening, listening to it. It's probably it better. is so cute and adorable. Uh, listening to it, obviously, because I'm sure the reader is giving it an inflection. But just reading the word, <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it gives you nothing. Yeah, it's just put in italics in the book, like so yeah. you can just tell oh. it, you can tell it's supposed to be a little different. Worth worth picking up the audiobook okay. just to hear their dynamic. I've listened to Finders Keepers and End of Watch with that same narrator, yeah, but I've not listened to Mister Mercedes, and I yeah. really want to reading it every time they were like, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> you uh, would like it. Okay. I, I recommend it. <laughs> So during the funeral, Brady plants the bomb in the backseat of Hodge's car. As they go to leave, Holly really wants to ride with Bill and Janie, but instead, Bill goes with Charlotte and Holly, and Janie's going to take his car and his fedora. Because Charlotte, Holly's mom, is due, super overbearing, treats her like she's eight and not 40. She sucks. Yeah, yeah. So that's why Bill, like I understood the justification for getting Bill in the car with them and Janie by herself wearing his hat. Yeah. All Brady sees when the driver pulls away is the fedora and blows her up. The last sound she makes on Earth is a laugh because she hears the ring and thinks it's Bill's phone in his glove compartment. And then the world goes white. You knew Mm. reading it because there's two more. And because she mentioned going back, like this relationship is going to end and it's it's king. So it's probably going to end tragically. But I still I, I just hated her dying. It sucked so bad. Yeah, this was another part where just as soon as Brady was like, I'm going to plant a bomb in his car, I was like, Jeannie's done. Mm -hmm. Because someone, someone's going to die. Because if she had lived, there wouldn't be two more books. Finders Keepers wouldn't exist. He would have just gone with her. And they would have lived (laughs) the rest of their lives together. Yeah, you're right. The, the, The tragedy of it is so... The tragedy of... Janie has done so much for bill mm-hmm. like the, the they right before this happens she thinks that she is in love with him and he admits in his he thinks that oh it's it's yeah. sad that we're gonna have this is, will end and i'm just gonna enjoy it while it lasts but i do love her which is another sign that it's like yeah. not nah, this is this is done so Man, don't ever love somebody if you're a character in a book <laughs> But yeah, seeing the the scene of Bill standing in the street looking at the wreckage. Mm. Looking at her severed arm in the gutter. And that he has to turn everything off because Mm -hmm. he cannot be her boyfriend. I'm just going to call him her boyfriend. When he gets questioned, he has to be kind of an outsider. Mm -hmm. That's That That killed me. He has to deny her. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Holly and Bill rush out and are looking over the wreckage. And the way... Hodges handles all of this split second decision making mm-hmm. is incredible. Like he he pieces all of these things together. What needs to happen next has to like smack Holly a little bit to pull her out of it. And is like, I know this is going to be hard for you, but this is what I need. And like, I love that she sneakily finds a way to slip him mm-hmm. her glasses case that has her phone number on it in a way that you don't even like up until it happens. Yeah, you don't know because she's completely blank Mm -hmm. she is not reacting to anything she pulls out her sunglasses and puts them on yeah and you're like (laughs) you don't know bill is like i don't know if i'm getting through to her but the fact that yeah that's in the split second he has decided if i'm going to make this work i have to trust this woman that uh, yesterday i was like not thinking was like a nobody and look what happens when you give somebody agency and respect mm-hmm. and autonomy. Holly came through. It's amazing. It's awesome. I love it because in her glasses case is her phone number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he calls Jerome real quick and says, basically everything is fucked, but I need you to, in a few minutes, send this message or something close to this under my, under Debbie's blue umbrella account. It's very important. It's very dangerous. So I'm sorry. 
but please do this. And then hops off the phone. And then Holly sees her first black person. (laughs) (laughs) When Jerome shows up at the house, that, that interaction is so great. See, I want you to walk us through that interaction. Bill wanted to get Holly's information because she is now his connection into the house to continue his investigation and check the computer. So Jerome shows up to help with that. And he gets in the house. In a scene that first, I want to say, was real stressful for me. Because (laughs) he points out, he's like, I am a black man walking into a gated community yeah. And this is this is not safe for him. And she doesn't know the code. Her uncle like mm-hmm. locked up the ha- locked her in the house basically. Ugh, gross. Yeah. So Jerome shows up and and she's, you know, being Holly and kind of nervous and weird and he disarms the code. And then, you know, they have that moment where they see each other and she's like, "Oh, you're black." <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> I guess I am. Is that a problem? And she's like, no, you know, and I, I hope that wasn't rude. And I was just like, oh, Holly. Yeah, it's just Holly's but, just absolute uh, social. Awkward. But they are best friends right away. I, I love their dynamic is mm-hmm. so good. They're just like offhandedly goofing around. And it's so cool because he's been set up as our, our expert in mm-hmm. this area. And Holly comes in you don't expect her to play a role in this. And she's like, try this, try this. And he's like, well, she's like, you know what? Just get out of the way, man. Let me do this. And she, you know, really is instrumental in figuring this out. The, the way they both cannot get a read on each other, mm-hmm. but are having fun with it. Yeah. Like first, that first makes you really enjoy them. But then when Jerome, like she does something and Jerome says, go on with your bad self. <laughs> yeah. And then a few <laughs> things later, she repeats it back to him. <laughs> And because I know, and I know for you, CM, because I know how that narrator reads Holly, I can hear in my head how he says, go on with your bad self. They have the dynamic of of a woman, like, getting her first gay best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, really coming out of her that's, shell. That's very specific. <laughs> yeah, I I love it. And they, they get on the computer and they find hidden in the in the sound files... A couple, yeah, sound files of a baby crying and a woman screaming. Why would you let them kill? Why would you let him kill me? Why would you let him murder my baby? Yeah, there you go. That's worse. Yeah, that's way worse. And this is why you need to constantly be on top of and keep up with technology. Because if that happened in my house... I would have found the source in my computer and been like, what the fuck? That's that's my thing is like. (laughs) But she's mentally, you know, they've described her as being mentally ill. So I think that's that's kind of why we might believe that she would just freak the hell out and like hide under the covers. Yeah, she wouldn't investigate. She wouldn't be like, okay, where is the sound coming from? But I I just find it hard to believe that you can't. Follow a sound to speakers. Right. And then just unplug them. <laughs> See if that works. I, she, I think, and I think Bill is sort of our way to understand because of how he's so tech challenged and like forgetting mm-hmm. his phone and stuff that she might not ever think about that. That That is fair. Yeah. They deduce together that by the date of the installation, because there's another program called looking glass that lets you would let somebody remote Mm. into your computer and access all of your files, all of your emails. Yeah, it's like Google desktop kind of you can control. Which uh, explains how he knew so many intimate details about her Mm -hmm. to to get. Yeah, so he's not really good at reading people. He's just a creep and stalked her and got into her files. (laughs) Fuck that guy. He's not smart. (laughs) (laughs) But they deduce that by the date of the installation that it must have been her IT guy. And Jerome calls Hodges, fills him in, who Hodges just got out of the interrogation, being interrogated by his former partner and his new partner. In Uh, his lucky interrogation (laughs) room. And his new partner knows her stuff. And I love that he has a moment, finally, he's like recognizing a thing. He's (laughs) Because she she is looking at him like, you're full of shit. And she finally says, were you sleeping together? And he he has like this panic moment. He's like, man, women's intuition. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, I honestly wish, hope we get more. I of, like her. Uh, her and Pete Huntley and her are like, I like both of these yeah. characters. <laughs> uh, Hodges takes the night to think about everything, takes it all in. And he comes to the answer that it's not just 
one IT guy. Olivia Trelawney would not have hired a specific person. It must be a company. And company guys drive company cars. And that is where we we leave off. All of these trails are finally leading us to Brady mm-hmm. Hartsfield. Before we wrap up, we, we skipped over kind of the rest of Brady stuff where he scopes out the Mac and he puts he shaves his head in a motel because he leaves home, all this stuff. Do you guys have any thoughts about Brady's plan to get in? I can't say because I accidentally listened to it. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> uh, I, I have a good idea as to uh, what he's going to try. It made me think of uh, Rose Matter. Yes. Ah, yeah. 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 Nice. It is, yeah. Okay. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we are reading the rest of the book. For Joshua Khan and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, blood tells. It almost always does. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Mr. Mercedes. Part 2, we hope you enjoyed it. As always, please find us on social media at Dairy Public Radio or send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And I know I say this every time, but we really do love getting emails from all of you. If you've been enjoying all the extra episodes that we've been doing over the last couple of months with The Stand and then our March Madness episodes, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We ask you to do this because it is a great way to bump us up in the charts and help other fans find us. So if you haven't done so, please take a moment to do that. And if you have done that, thank you so very much. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.